This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is April 1st, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you've been with Hofstra Radio. My name is, well, let's put it this way. My name is Barbara Zitlowski, but here on WRHU, my name is Bosch. I do polka nomadic time for the last 36 years. Wow. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It's a real honor to have you uh, on the program. We're, we're, we're big fans and we have a lot of questions for you. Okay. So one of the big questions that I've gotten for a number of interviews is, how did Basha wind up on WRHU? And I said, I, I don't know. She was there when I was there and she's been there since. So if you could tell us, how did you wind up at Hofstra Radio? Okay, in 1970, Sweet Olson had a show called Musical Smorgasbord, and I helped him out from time to time when he was doing a marathon. And then Sweet left in 1986, moving to Florida, and Jeff Krause at that time was the manager. He asked me, would I take part of the show? And I said, oh, I said, I don't know. I'm nervous about radio. I never did radio before. And he says, I, he says, well, give it a try. Well, I've been trying for the last 36 years, okay? <laughs> I think you've been doing a little bit more than trying. <laughs> so, so if I could go back a little bit further, and maybe you have the answer to this and maybe you don't, some people have also asked me, how did Sweet Olson wind up at Hofstra Radio? I really, I don't know. And unfortunately, Sweet has passed away uh, mm -hmm. two years ago, and I never really got to find out how he rhymed up here. But I know when he was here in Hempstead, he did own a music store on Main Street. And I guess that's how he got to be here. I don't know, because I I really never found out. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll keep asking questions until we, until we find out. But so let's go back. Um, how did you start helping Sweet out with his show? Well, number one, Sweet was not Polish. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was a Pole. I know the music a little bit more than he did. So I was helping because he did what he called musical smorgasbord. He played some Swedish music, you know, a variety of music, and then he did, he wanted to do some Polish music, and he wasn't too sure about some of the orchestras that were around at that time. So I said, all right, I would come in and, and give him a hand. And when he did his marathon, I was I was giving him the music, let's put it that way. <laughs> and he had a successful marathon. He always had a successful marathon here on WRHU. So... So he, he was playing a variety of music and you had an expertise in the music. Is that something that, that you grew up with or did you were you a musician? How did you come to know the music so well? Well, my parents always listened to radio and there was many polka shows on the radio going back in the 1950s and 60s. They would listen, and of course, and I got to like the music. I was going to the music stores trying to buy the music or going to a dance and buying the, the music of the orchestra that was playing at that time. And, I, and I'm still doing the same thing. I'm still going to the dances when there is a dance, still buying the music. And sometimes some of the band leaders used to give you out a promotional copy. Now they don't, they're not doing it any longer. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I don't think that would stop you either way, having to pay for it or getting it for free. 
well, let's put it this way. It makes no difference. If I like the band, I'm, I'm buying the music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Understood. Um, so uh, one of the questions that I usually ask, and this is, this is for students who, when they first join the radio station and, and the, the first time they, they come, but I guess I can ask this of you as well. So when you first started uh, helping Sweet out, I think you said it was 1970. Was that right? Yeah. I was around 70, 71, right. Okay. Could you describe what the radio station was like then? And, and did you have any idea of what a radio station would look like? <laughs> we were in Memorial Hall, okay, in the basement of Memorial Hall. And it was like lugging the music down the steps and everything, never knowing if the equipment was going to work, if you would have an engineer or not, let's put it that way. And now that when Bruce came in, he took us out of the out of the basement, so to speak, and put us up that we we can see the sun and the stars. Let's put it that <laughs> way. And it's been quite a quite an experience because Bruce had different ideas about what the radio station should be like. He wanted all of us and all of us hosts to be knowing how to do our own show in the event we didn't have an engineer. So we went. We were involved in a training class as well. So that was that was quite that was exciting. Let's put it that way to learn how how the board goes and how everything works. I do want to ask you more questions about that, but I want to get back to uh, working with Swede and helping out behind the scenes. Did you come to the show every week, or was it just sort of when you were needed or when you felt like it? When I, when I was needed. Okay. And so you talked about doing marathons. Did, were, I, I mean, today and the time that I was there, lots of people would come down to help out with the marathons. You'd have a big crowd of people, people answering phones and doing all the things. What were the marathons like when Swede was hosting? When uh, it was, well, we didn't have students answering the phone. It was people coming down, you know, and helping out and bringing food and what have you and giving us an encouragement as well as giving us a few dollars at the same time. And it was like, it was, it was, the marathons were exciting. Let's mm. put it that way. Yes. Yes. They're always a lot of fun. And, and again, from talking to any number of former students who engineered for you or helped out with your marathons, they always said it was such a good time. I didn't know anything about the music, but I always felt very welcome. I always felt like I was having a good time and it was such a fun surprise. Let's put it this way. I enjoy working. Well, when I started, there was very few students, it seemed like, but now we have loads of students and I've enjoyed working with all of them. Believe me, they, they, some of them haven't, didn't know what a polka was. Now all of a sudden they all have a certain favorite song that they liked. And mm -hmm. it was like, okay. So I play those kinds. Of, I, I play some of the music for the kids, basically. I'll be honest with you. Well, that's, that's, that's kind of you. One of the things that, that people always say about uh, the music on your show is every song starts fast and every song ends cold and <laughs> you are on the mic quite a bit. You give these, these student engineers quite a workout. Um, what is it like for you as a host to have that constant pace and, and all these quick, fun songs and you're bouncing around? It, it, must, it must be energizing and exhausting at the same time. Um, Brian, let's put it this way. I never come into the studio here. Even before, when I first started, I would always 
pre-plan my show, okay? Right. I would never come in unprepared, let's put that way. And that's why the shows run as smooth as they do. And it's like, yes, the students have a little little workout <laughs> that mm -hmm. I admit. But now with, I have three hours of CDs and one hour of vinyl. I mean, I bought vinyl back. I have Casey Miles, uh, who loves to do vinyl, and he's been, and I've given him, you know, an hour of the show, and the students are enjoying it because they, some of them don't even know what vinyl is until they, you know, play it, and it's like, it's like, wow. But the quality of vinyl, you cannot beat. I'll be honest with you. CDs are nice, don't get me wrong, but vinyl, you cannot it's just something about a vinyl. Maybe it's the sound. Maybe it's the way uh, the engineers are pre-record the music. I don't really know. I'll be honest. But vinyl is. I hope it comes back eventually. But not in the not in a twelve-inch size. Maybe like a like an eight-inch disc or something. Okay. Well, vinyl is very popular again, and, and some of the kids know coming in, but I want to go back. You said that you prepare so much. You plan your whole show out in advance. Is that something that someone taught to you or suggested, or is that just the way that you do things? Oh, that's the way I do things, okay? I mean, listen, I worked for 32 years uh, for Newsday, and uh, we had a schedules, and that's, I guess, it just from working, preparing apparel for the individuals. That that's how I just figured. Let me let me do. Let me try it with if it's going to work for a show. And it, it, for me, it has worked out very well. Do I have tomorrow's show planned? Yes, I do. <laughs> I have no <laughs> doubt about that. I have no doubt whatsoever. It's the reason I ask is that sort of a, it's sort of a gentle hint to those of us who maybe aren't planners or figure, well, I'll just, you know, grab some records on the way in to do the show. You think about it, you plan it, you think about segues, you think about dedications, you think about what the students like. That, that level of dedication shows why you're such a professional and why you've been so successful for Hofstra Radio for all these years. Well, let's put it this way. I always tell my listeners, don't call me on the air if you want, if you want me. I give them my home phone number or drop me a note, you know, I give them my home address as well. You know, send it to me. I don't, I don't like being interrupted when I'm doing this show. I'm, I'm perfectly honest with you. I mean, because it just prevents the, the flow of the music and the, the way the show should be going. Hmm. Um, if we could go back to when you, when you took over the show, I don't remember what, what year you said, but when you became the host. 1987. 1987. So you have this conversation with, with Jeff Krause and he says, I, I think you should take a, a chance and, and try to host it. What did you do any preparation? Was there any training before you got on the air or you'd you just know, been around so long? You, you kind of no, know what to do. I, I guess maybe there was no preparation whatsoever. I mean, because Swede left in 1986 for one year, he was sending the tapes from Florida to Sam Klimchek. Uh, and and I think it was in June or July that uh, Jeff says we got to do. You're around. We're gonna and you have agreed to do a show. We're gonna do you live, and that was it. And I I was a nervous wreck. I'll be perfectly honest with you. But after doing the first marathon in November of '87, I got I was fine because I knew the listeners were out there. People were very nice to me. The students were great. I mean, I cannot complain. 
Well, none of us can complain. We're, we're, we're so glad that you took that chance and jumped in there. Speaking of, of, of Jeff Krause, uh, he asks you to do this. Did he ever give you any advice or any critiques or was he just sort of there in the background knowing you know, that you could rely on them if you needed them? Well, that he was there in the background. Mm-hmm. I mean, he said he always would say to me, if you need any help, just call me and we'll we'll work something out. I says, OK. And it's, that's the way it was. So he never, you know, uh, the advice I got, you know, you're, you're on the air and remember what what you're saying. And it's like, OK, like, you know, be careful. And that was it and your listeners are out there and you do have a listening audience. I mean, and of course we were not as um, pop. I was going to say, well, Hofstra didn't have the, was not operating 24 seven as it is now. So it was like different, but uh, it were, everything worked out. Brian, everything worked out. Well, trust me. I, I felt very comfortable after, after the first marathon, I felt very comfortable because I knew people were out there listening and they enjoyed the music and the people, you know, when they call you and, uh, and want to know how's it going, it's nice. Believe me. I bet, and that's, I bet. you know, that's why I come in every Sunday. I think there's only, I think one, two, three, I think there's only three or four shows that I have taped because number one, I was in Poland three times. And then when my son got married, I was, you know, I had, I pre-recorded the show, but other than that, I'm here every Sunday. Such a level of dedication, and and we really all do appreciate it a great deal. Um, so you're at the station. You've been very successful for a number of years. Bruce Avery becomes the new general manager in January of 1994, and I think it was about a year or so afterwards where he started asking community volunteers to take the training classes. Could yeah. you talk a little bit about that? I mean, you've already already been doing this almost 10 years and you have experience helping Sweet out before that. Was there any part of you that thought, who is this guy telling me that I have to take this class? <laughs> Let's put it this way. I was a little um, apprehensive. I figured, why am I taking this class for? I mean, I just felt I, you know, I knew I felt I didn't know everything, but I figured, oh, okay. It was a learning experience. Let's put it that way. Because if you didn't go to the training class, you were not going to be able to be on the air. That's That was his feelings. Was there anything that you remember from the training classes or the way that they were conducted or maybe who taught them? I really can't recall. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Okay. But but it's obvious that you got through and you passed. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- this is a joke question, obviously. But I'm, I'm thinking about all the people that I've interviewed that I know who engineered for you. Um, could you name from beginning to end all the students who've engineered for you? Are you... I, I am kidding. I am kidding. I am kidding. Well, no, it's rather remarkable that you have been able to maintain the quality of your show and the size of your audience and the effectiveness of your marathons while having so many different people work with you over the years. But what are you doing on that weekly basis that allows you to continue this series of excellence while training these new engineers and making them uh, into the types of engineers that can handle your show? What are you doing on a week-to-week basis or year-to-year basis that allows them to succeed? When I get an engineer who is not familiar with the music or anything, I 
I try to relax them and tell them, this is not a hard show to do. I have everything labeled for them. I Everything's in order for them. And I I go do about five minutes before I, we go on the air. I always ask them, come, you know, come in 10 minutes before and we'll go through the program, you know, how it's going to go. And once they get comfortable in doing, it's no problem after that. But I must also tell you, Brian, that I do a community affairs program here as well. Mm-hmm. I did it with, may he rest in peace, Mark Wiener, from 2001 to, to current time. I mean, it's like, okay. And we, Long Island Community Phone uh, Spotlight has won a folio, has won Long Island Press Club Awards as well. I mean, so I'm, what am I going to, I'm a radio junkie, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Well, I think it's those lessons of preparation and and listening and and communicating with your audience that go through. And you read my mind because my next question was, I wanted to ask about starting this community affairs program. How did that come about? There was, I don't know if you could recall, I think it was, uh, it was a gentleman that was doing the show, was Know the Law. He was an attorney. John Mann. John Mann. Yep. And he... um, he decided he was going to retire, okay, and he gave up the show, and uh, and there was this this void, so to speak, and somebody said they were going to do it. At that time, I was community volunteer liaison, and I said, well, I, you know, I, at one of the meetings, I said, well, I'll try it. You're like, well, I've been trying for the last 20 years. <laughs> I've done, oh, over, we've done over 400 interviews you know, local people, historical societies, different events that have occurred here on Long Island. So it's, it has been, I've learned a lot about Long Island, even though I am a resident of Long Island, but I felt I lived on the North Shore. I was not really exposed to an area here like Hempstead, Uniondale, and things like that. Once I got over here, it was a different story. And as I say, I am I'm enjoying everything I'm doing. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't be here. I just, I just think it's, it's so remarkable that you, you have this expertise in this music and the way you host your show, and then you're doing something entirely different. And I was, were you working on that with Mark from the beginning, or was there anybody else to help you get started on the community no, fair Mark show? And I, we, Mark and I, we just, you know, he said, because I said, well, I would try it, and. And Mark Weiner at that time was here, and uh, we we hooked together, and that was it, and it worked out well. And then when he left to go to Oregon, well, I had some of the students engineering for me as well, and uh, and they and they've enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed them. Let's put it that way. Another one of the questions that I usually ask the students, and, and it's part of their, their growing into the station as part of the process of, of growing up and forming friend groups and relationships. Um, so I'm going to ask it this way. Once you took over the program from Swede, did you feel comfortable at the station? Did you feel like you were accepted? Or was there a moment where you thought, okay, these people really support me and I feel comfortable and, and I'm going to keep doing this? I never felt unwanted let's put that's a good that's why I'll put it I always felt comfortable here because the students were looking at at us older people so to speak to help them along the road to take success 
And that was, you know, and I felt, you know, it's like, and even to this day, I just feel I can help them. I mean, I've, you know, I've made, I've, I've maintained a lot of friendships even after they graduate. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that Bruce Avery said to me in doing these interviews and, and other conversations we had, he says, I always try not to name names because if I forget someone, I'll feel <laughs> terrible. But I'm going to ask you anyway, and you can dodge the question if you like. But Jeff Krause, Sweet Olson, Bruce Avery, Mark Wiener, you are talking about some of the legendary names of Hofstra Radio. Yes. Um, there have been many people that you've worked with through the years. Are there other people who have helped you in some way or that you've created relationships with that, uh, like you said, have, have gone on behind the, their time? Who are some of the other people that have been instrumental in your success at Hofstra Radio? Oh, oh there has been so many of them. I can't even, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. It's just like, I'd be afraid to omit somebody. I'm not going to answer that question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to try. You know, I don't. I, I, I don't want to offend anybody either because if I name one, then somebody. Well, how come she didn't remember me? I mean, like you know, it's like okay, I just I just let it go. And when we had the the uh, 50th anniversary here, I was working on the committee with uh, with Les Bear and Karen Montabano, who I've maintained friendships with them as well. And it's like been it's been exciting let's put that way because i i from less i've learned a lot but with karen it's it's a different story we can do long on we when it comes election night i usually have you know less and karen on the air with a student or with one of the other community volunteers here because i do uh, a long island community spotlight election night as well well, you're you're into everything at this point. You're not just a music person. You're you're in community affairs. You're in news. Yeah. Are, are you are you going to take over the station one day? Is that what you're telling no, me? No, 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 no. I I I I could not do that. Not with what all my other things that I do. You got to remember, I am president of the Polish American Museum in Paul Washington for the last twelve years. I write a column for the Ampol Eagle and the Polish American Journal, which is their weekly op- obligations, which I do keep pe- people posted on what's going on in the community. I mean, it's like I don't have time, and I have two sons as well. I got one granddaughter. I mean, so it's like, what am I going to do? And yet, you keep adding more and more jobs. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say to you, but, but we're we're ever so grateful for for all the things that you do. Um, this is, this is a, a question, again, that I ask for students. What did you hope that Hofstra Radio would mean for you at the, at the beginning? So I guess maybe when you took over Swede's program and, and it became your program, at that point, what did you hope you would get from hosting a show at Hofstra Radio? What did you think it would turn out to be? I really did. At that time, I really didn't know. I'll be honest with you. I just felt it was an experience. It was... Surprising that I would enjoy as much as I have enjoyed doing the shows. Let's put it that way. Okay. Was there any way to envision that you would still be doing this program thirty odd years later? No, no. I just felt you know it's like if there's somebody around that would like to do the show, fine. But I don't see, I don't see anybody coming around and saying, "Hey, Bosch, you know, you would we 
you want to step down, I'll take over the show for you. No. I don't, I don't imagine any person being brave enough to ask such a question. You are Hofstra Radio royalty. You have earned every bit of respect that every person gives. And again, I have so many people who ask questions about, uh, you know, talking to you on, on this and, and all the great experience they got from working for you. So I think on behalf of anybody who might listen to this at any time, uh, a, a real sincere and hearty thank you for being such a wonderful mentor and host and producer and role model and, and honestly a friend to so many of us. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. It's been, as I say, Hofstra has been my second, shall we say Hofstra has been my, my second home, okay? Which I have enjoyed working with people of all ages and it's been it's been wonderful let's put it that way and i do thank you for having me on today <laughs>